Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Alright, last week I spoke on the theme walking in glory. And I just want to jump out of that uh, into a new theme this week, walking in authority. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's podcast, get onto the website. It's there, www.kingdomcc.com.au forward slash podcast, and you'll find it. If you don't remember that, ask me later. (laughs) Have you ever been harassed in life to the point of exasperation? There's physical harassment, as in in the natural realm, and there's spiritual harassment. And I, want, I just want to talk for a minute about the physical side of harassment. Um, I used to get harassed a lot when I was a young bloke in school. Um, I was one of those kids who my parents taught me um, from the Bible, turn the other cheek. Now, when you've got a bunch of little kids who know that the big kid will turn the other cheek, they'll take every advantage. <laughs> And I used to cop it because I didn't quite that, and uh, they thought it was hilarious. And I was always a little bit naive anyway, so I didn't know what to do. And sometimes I'd just go and sit in the corner and cry because I didn't know I wasn't going to beat them up. <laughs> and even if I did, I probably wouldn't have the courage to do it. And that was my life. I used to get harassed a lot. I used to get hit in the back of the head. I used to get all sorts of stuff going on. And it actually grew in me a desire to help the underdog. I never liked seeing other people being harassed. So as I grew up, I had empathy for those who were being harassed. Um, even when I was funny enough, even when I was in Bible college back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, I still got harassed. Largely because I was probably a bit of an arrogant And so these guys were always trying to put me down and put me in my place. You ever had people trying to put you in your place? It doesn't feel good. I thought I was pastor until recently and a guy at work has started harassing me and he started off seemingly, it seemed like he was just having a bit of fun, he'd start, he was mocking my deep voice so I'd come to work and he'd go, hello, like that and I'd have a little bit of a giggle, you know, and I'd walk away. But it would become a regular thing. And then he'd start, I'd be talking to someone else, and he'd be walking past, and he'd just imitate, and he'd mimic what I just said. Yes, I know. You know and then he'd, just, he'd be walking down the corridor, and he'd come across me. And, and then it got to the point where I started to, I, I was getting annoyed by it, so I started ignoring him. I never laughed, I never reacted. He'd, he'd say, hello, Paul. You know, and I'd just, just walk away. But then he got to the point where he'd come and he'd come and put his face right in front of my face and go, hello, like this. And he'd start putting his face in front of my face. And this is the last three months it's been happening, almost on a daily basis, to the point where um, it started to really agitate me. And then it got to one point where he was standing there and he wasn't getting a reaction from me. And then he called me the most absurdly wicked name under the sun, a string of names. Oh, you, you know. And one of the guys that was near me, who was laughing at him for what he was doing, suddenly realised that there was intent in it. And he, go, and he looked at me and he looked at him and he goes, oh. and he suddenly realised this isn't actually very nice at all, right? And I was like, you know, and so I just, I, I, I focused on ignoring it completely to the point where I would try not to get eye contact with it. It was, it was really starting to exasperate me. So this week, he, uh, he comes up to me in the foyer of our thing I'm signing in, and he comes up, he stands next to me, he looks up at me, and he goes, have I offended you? And I said, not today. He goes, no, but have I offended you? I said, well, every day for the last three months. And he goes, Good, it's working when they walk away. Right? Now, the reason I tell you that is because 
I have to know what to do about it. And it starts to be bothering me. And I started thinking about it during the week because I got to the point where the human me wanted to grab this guy by the scruff of the neck and put him up against the thing and punch the lights out of him, which I wouldn't ever do. But that's the yeah, Molly, you're looking at me like, well, Paul, Pastor Paul wouldn't do that, you know. It's what I want to do. Right? It's what I want to do. Um, but I can't, you know. And the thing is, I do turn the other cheek, and I've learned to do that, but there are times and places where you actually have to stand up for yourself and stop what's going on and actually make a stand. Right? And the Lord's been talking to me about that because it's the same in the spiritual realm. A lot of the times, Christians are in a situation just where I have been in, in the natural, where we're being harassed continually, and our life has become exasperated by whatever's going on around us. And the problem is, like me in the natural, sometimes we just don't know what to do about it. And it can actually get us undone. And keep us undone to the point where we just don't want to fight anymore. We don't want to go anywhere. We want to ignore everything. We want to hide. And this is exactly what the enemy wants to do. Have you ever thought, I want to go to church. Or I want to... I want to go to prayer, or I want to, I want to get more intimate with God, or I want to start reading my Bible, or I want to go to a prayer meeting, or I want to go to a small group, or you set aside time to do something, and, and you make a determination that, that you're going to do something for yourself with God, and it's going to be good for you. You ever have those moments, and then you're about to do it, and stuff starts happening. You ever had that? Stuff starts happening, you know, the car breaks down, <laughs> you know, the, the, someone rings up and says, oh, I'm coming over. Oh, and we don't have the courage to say, look, I'm on my way to church. We don't put that as our priority. We're on my way to a prayer meeting. Or, you know, and we engage. And we, or we have a big blow up with somebody. Or we suddenly get a really bad headache. You know, and, or we get a neck problem. You know, and we've, we've stepped into a place of doing something for God and suddenly everything starts to go haywire around us. And Sometimes we just don't know what to do. You ever had that? I believe that God wants us to know what to do. And he wants us to know who we are and how we can take our stand and how we can effectively stand up to the bullies in our life. Right? Now, we're not, we're not talking about spiritual because we know in Ephesians 6, it says that our fight isn't against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and rulers of this dark age. So it's not like here and at work, I'm going to go and actually stand up to him and thump him one, right? But what God wants us to do is to stand up to the devil and thump him one, right? Um, I, uh, I heard this story during the week, I, I loved it, and it, it came, comes out of uh, Smith Wigglesworth's personal journal, right? And he said, I was standing at the bus stop one day, waiting to catch a bus, and a little lady from one of the, the townhouses walked out to catch the bus as well. And she was standing there, but along comes this little dog, her dog, who had followed her out the door and come to, the, to stand behind her. And, and the dog was kind of like nuzzling up against her leg, and she said, now, dear, you need to go home. And she's real polite to this little puppy. You can imagine Danielle doing that with her dogs. You know? Now, come on, go back home. Come on, you know. And, and, and the dog wouldn't pay any attention. It was like, you know, <laughs> you know, being a good little puppy that wouldn't obey mama. And, no, no, dear, you have to go home. Come on. And this is the way he tells the story. Come on. Go home. Go home. And the next thing you know, the bus turns up, you see. So she knows she's got to get on the bus. She knows the puppy can't get on the bus. So she turns and, now get! <laughs> and the puppy took off and went back home. And she hopped on the bus. And Smith Wigglesworth said that in that moment he just got caught up in it all and said, that's the way you've got to treat the devil. Right? He just got a revelation. You can't just put up and softly go away. No, just go away. No, now get. In Jesus' name, get. And sometimes we've got to understand who we are and what authority we actually have in order for us to take a stand and walk in what we're called to walk in. 
Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed, or they perish, for lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. The biggest problem that most Christians have is they don't understand what God has done for them. We don't understand the fullness of who we are in Christ. And so when the harassment starts, a lot of the time we just put up with it. In fact, a lot of the time we don't even know why it's going on. We, we don't even know that the enemy's behind it. Could someone, a practical level now, could someone turn the fans back on again? The power switches. Unfortunately, it's on a timer. You set it and then it stops. It usually stops halfway through the sermon. <laughs> there you go. Christians are often harassed. Um, and it's, it's, not, it's not like we're in the Middle East where they're about to slice our throats for being a Christian. However, we actually do have persecution. Um, but it's not the same as what we probably would expect. In our Western society, um, the attack is more subtle. You recognise that? But how many people know that in, in Western society, lately, it's actually getting more prominent? Evil is rising to a place now where a lot of folk who are walking in evil practices now are actually no longer afraid. No longer doing it in the dark hideaway places. I mean, I heard the other day that um, there's a satanic coven that has been established in Noosa on the Sunshine Coast. And uh, the high priest of this coven is going to Parliament to try and get satanic um, teaching into the local schools. Because he figures if the Christians can do it, we can do it too. And so it's like all this darkness is coming out of the woodworks and it's no longer hidden. But the reality is, is just in our normal daily walk, most of us have harassment in our life and God wants us to understand that we can actually do something about it. Um, during the week, I was on the bus and often happens is you have someone who comes on and because lately I've been driving these little on-demand buses, I get to communicate with the passengers a lot more than when I'm on the big bus these days. And so this lady gets on, she's the only passenger on my bus. And we got talking, that's what people like to do, talk with the driver, and I found out that um, she has not been able to go to work and she's about to lose her license and I said, why? She said, oh, because I take so much medication. I said, oh, what do you take the medication for? And she listed three things. And I thought, wow, oh, that's pretty hardcore. Like the things that she listed, I won't say what they are, because um, I can't remember. <laughs> but she listed three fairly hardcore things. I said, wow, that's incredible. Like, how long has this been going on for? And she, she just mentioned that since the beginning of 2016, she's had this decline in health. And my first thought was, I wonder what happened in 2015 in her life that might have created an environment for this harassment to start. And I was about to say, I asked the question, what happened in 2015? And she blurted out, yes, ever since April such and such, 2015, my life has been, you know, I thought, oh, okay, so she just comes straight out with it. I said, so what happened on that day? She said, oh, I split up with my ex. I said, really? Do you see him anymore? No, he's in a mental institute now. I think, oh, wow. So what's been happening for you since then? Oh, I can't believe it. Everything's gone wrong since then. And I said, you know what? I reckon you're being harassed. She goes, yeah, tell me about it. I said, why spiritual harassment? She goes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're probably right, you know. I said, I think there's a, there's a tie between you and that relationship that needs to be cut. She goes, hmm. Yeah, you might be right. I said, can I pray for you? She looked at me and goes, I suppose. Um, yeah? I said, can I pray for you right now? Uh, I suppose. You know? So I just prayed for her. 
um, just as I would any person, just in this case, not with my hand stretched out on her shoulder, which under COVID rules, I'm probably not allowed to do that on the bus. Um, <laughs> but I prayed for it on the middle of the bus. But here's the thing, right? I'm hoping that I'll find out that as, out of that prayer and out of that conversation, something good came out of it. But what it reminded me of was this. A lot of the staff, whether it be little harassments like constantly having things that get in our way when we're trying to do something that is important to us, or the long-term things, you know, whether it be sickness or issues, a lot of them have a root in spiritual things that we often are unaware of. Uh, a friend of mine, a guy named Darren Penning, and some of you might remember that he came and ministered here a few years ago. He posted something this week on Facebook where he said, um, a lot of the prayers that I pray for people uh, to bring healing are coming through and, and I'm seeing a lot of healing, but there are times when there's deep set trauma or issues in a person's life that need to be resolved before the healing can come. And I thought, you know what, that's, that's, that's so true that there are often things that are seated within our spirit that are creating an atmosphere where the sickness or the disease or the harassment can have a place in our life. And sometimes we've got to go back to the root in order to deal with it. And uh, I was reminded of the scripture where it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do not, and it, it goes on, it says, do not let the devil have a place or a foothold, right? Now the foothold or the place is like a, is like a little hook that goes into our soul, which creates an opportunity for the enemy to harass us. So there's little things that we, we can learn along the way, but if I go back to um, that scripture which I read out earlier, Hosea 4, 6, my people are perish or they are destroyed for lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. I feel like what, what the Lord wants me to do today is just bring some understanding of who we are and where we are in where we're seated and where our place of authority is so that when we are harassed or when we recognize the enemy at work in our life we actually know what to do about it and we have confidence to go for it so i want to read two scriptures out of ephesians and this is where paul is praying for the church and if you understand that when Paul prays for the church, he's praying out of a place of understanding. So he knows what he wants these people to understand, and he's praying that they would get it. Right? And so what we need to do as we read this prayer is go, what Paul is praying, I want. Yeah? Because if it's if it's good enough for him to pray for the church in Ephesus, it's good enough for him to pray for that for us right now. So I want to read this to you. First of all, Ephesians 1, verse 16 to 23. He um, started by saying, I, and he says, I do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right? Now that revelation... Wisdom is what Hosea was talking about. If you don't have it, you perish. My church will perish for lack of wisdom, revelation, understanding, knowledge. Yeah? So Paul's saying that we would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Not our physical eyes but the eyes of our understanding, so that we will begin to know right, what God has for us. That you may, and that's exactly what he says, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance for the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Wow, just even in that, hope of his glory, glory, sorry, the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance for the saints. Inheritance, that's like all the things that belong to the Father belong to us. That's inheritance. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to us. 
He wants us to understand that we have this inheritance. Yeah? According to the working of his mighty power, which is which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. I'm going to repeat that last phrase when he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Listen to this. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Right there, at the start, he's saying, I want you to get an understanding of what you have as an inheritance as a saint. And he goes to list what that inheritance is, and it's in Christ, who is seated at the right hand side of the Father, and has all power and dominion over all authorities in the heavenly places. Now, if the head of the body is seated on a throne, Where's the body? Seated on the throne. You can't have the heads if Jesus is the head of the church and we're the body, yeah? We're the body of Christ. If the head is on the throne, we're on the throne. In fact, Paul says, you are seated in heavenly places at the right hand side of the Father in Christ Jesus. Yeah? So we've got to get an understanding that everything that is spoken of about Jesus Christ here. He's speaking that out so that we get an understanding and a revelation of that's what we have. We have this authority. We have this dominion. If we go back to what I was speaking about last week, about how in the beginning, and it says in Psalm 8 verse 2, I think it was, I quoted, that um, God crowned man with glory and honor. Right? Crowned Adam with glory and honor. Gave him dominion over all of his creation. What Christ has done is redeemed man back to the place that we originally was designed to have. The place of glory and honour, seated a little lower than the Godhead, although we recognised last week it, it, it was translated as angels, but it's the word Elohim. So we've had this place in Christ. Amen? And Paul is praying that we would get a revelation of it. Now I want to read to you Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19. This is another prayer of Paul in the book of Ephesians. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, that's the key, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Ah, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That is Paul's prayer for us, that we may be filled with the fullness of God, that we get a revelation of all this that we have in Christ. The first thing that we need if we're going to engage in the battle and win is first of all to know, get a revelation that we are actually in a battle. That all these little things aren't just circumstantial. The harassments in life, they're intended. Initially, when my, when my workmate was harassing me, I just thought it was just him having a bit of a joke. But then eventually I realised that it was actually intended. He was intending to hurt me. And after a while, particularly when he came and looked in my eyes and had that look in his face, I could almost see the demons in there going, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you out. You know? And I could have been undone. And I almost was, to be honest, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ain't going to punch him around. But to be honest, you know, there was this sense in my heart that I, I didn't know what to do. And there are times when the enemy is harassing us in our life. We, if we don't recognize that it's a battle, 
for a start, we're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to roll along and go home, such is life. You know, the old Australian bush rangers saying, such is life. But the thing is, we shouldn't be like that because the reality is, is as kings upon the earth, crowned with glory and honour, we, once we get a revelation of that, we can start walking in that and we can rise above the things that are trying to stop us continually. Yeah? Um, I heard this incredible story of a man, I don't know his name, I wish I had it, but I, I saw the testimony, so he was talking and he was sharing about what happened in his family. Right? Now he was a young man who was quite rebellious, but raised in a Christian home, but everything was constantly going wrong in their household. Right? Until one day, um, he realised that his father had started to read the Bible differently. He had come across um, teaching by a guy named um, Hagen, um, Kenneth Hagen, Word of Faith teaching. And he'd been dwelling on that. And, and in the Word of Faith teaching is getting an understanding of who you are and making declarations over your family and over your circumstances according to the Word of God. And he started to do that. And he said he came home one day and they hadn't had a really good relationship with the father and son. And the, and the son had been quite rebellious. But he said he remembers distinctly walking in the house one day and his dad was waiting for him, sitting in the chair. And he had his Bible there. And he'd obviously been pouring over his Bible and making these declarations of faith over the family. And he said, all I remember was he got up, he looked at me and smiled. And he said it was the kind of smile which just said, everything's going to be okay, son. He said he didn't say a word, he just smiled at me and then went off to bed. He said, from that moment on, I realised that something had changed in my dad, who had been a very aggressive and hard-nosed man, and he was becoming disliking. He said, if it's good enough for my dad, it's good enough for me. And so he started pressing in and finding out as well, and suddenly realised that if you get to know who you are, he said, from that moment on, our whole, whole family life changed. He said, he realised later on that it was because dad was aligning himself with the word of God and becoming, and he wasn't putting up with the the harassment, and so he started making all these declarations saying, Devil, you get your hands, just like that little dog, get, Devil, get your hands off my family, get your, and, and, and it's not so much that he just said those things, he actually believed them, because he started to know who he was. And when you come to a place where you know who you are, you start declaring things over your family, your circumstances, everything starts to change. It doesn't mean you're not going to be harassed because the enemy will try everything he can to get you undone. And he'll watch you when you're strong and then wait for your weak moments. Like when you're tired or something comes in that's a disappointment. Ever had those moments where you're just completely disappointed with something or somebody or somebody's done something or you've heard something that just messed you up? And in that moment, you're at your lowest and then the enemy will come in right in that moment and say, oh yeah, well... Let's just go back to the old ways, won't we? Let's go do it the way we used to do it, because that was the better way. And then you do that for a while, and suddenly you realise, oh, hang on a sec, this isn't right. And then you wake up yourself and you go, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. So recognising that we're in a battle, yeah? And Ephesians talks about that. He says, and I quoted this earlier, Ephesians 6, 12, if you take a minute. But we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of witness in the heavenly places. Now, some people say, oh yeah, but Jesus didn't talk about, about this kind of stuff. Okay. Yes, he did. Matthew 28, 18, he talks about authority, doesn't he? Now, we often don't align it with the kind of authority that we're talking about today, but I want to, I want you to think for a moment when I read this out in terms of authority over all the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, yeah, and not just I have the authority to go out and make disciples, but I have authority to rob from the devil's chambers those who are bound in darkness, amen? So I want you to think in those terms, yeah? Matthew 28, amen? 
Behold, I give you authority. No, sorry, we're going to go read that one next. Uh, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, that was his just go. But he, he, it was from a place of authority. All authority has been given to me, now go. And you think, well, so are you giving us that authority? You have the authority because you're in Christ. So he's been given authority. You've, you're in Christ, so that authority is now yours. It's a delegated authority, but it's an authority. And it will be respected in the heavenly realms. Luke 10, 19, he puts it like this. This is Jesus again. He says, behold, I give you authority. That's the word exousia, right? Authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy, which is the word dunamis, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Right? So your authority surpasses the, the power of the devil. The devil has power. Dunamis. Dunamis is power. When Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes you with power. He used the word dunamis, which is the the energy of heaven, like the, the clothing of the glory of heaven, which is like a, a power. And that's the power that you feel. Let me tell you, you don't feel authority. You can't, I feel authorized right now. I feel powerful. That's not, authority is exclusive. It's a different word. And it's, it's an authority that is delegated to you from heaven. You, it's yours because you're in Christ. The moment you get saved, you're in Christ. And you have the authority over the devil. You don't have the power yet until you're clothed with power from on high. That's the, the dunamis. So when you reach out your hand and you release physical healing into a body that is created a miracle working power, that is dunamis. That comes from the Holy Spirit. It's something that you have to get. But when you're born again, you get given immediately authority, which is exousia, which is authority over the things in the spiritual realm. The dunamis is for the physical realm. Yeah? Does that make sense? The dunamis is for the physical realm. So if I reach out my hand and I pray, let's say there's no demons involved in a situation. It's just a physical healing. It's a creative miracle that's needed. I release that miracle-working power, dunamis, because I have it. If I don't have it, I can pray to the cows come home. Nothing's going to happen. That's why oftentimes when Christians pray, nothing happens. Because I don't have the power. Why? Because I haven't waited on the Lord as Jesus told them to wait. That's another message. But we all have authority. And authority is exercised in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realms. Because it's not authority over you. I don't have authority over you. In fact, pastors who elevate themselves to a place of authority in this world have missed the mark. It's, it's a wrong thinking. We have authority in the spiritual realm. Now, isn't against flesh and blood, it's against principalities and powers and rulers of this dark age. Amen? So, the authority that we have is to deal with the enemy of our soul. Wonderful news, amen? Well, you ask yourself, well, how come sometimes I don't actually see anything happen? Tell the enemy to get, and he doesn't get after he hangs around. Well, as I mentioned before, there might be reasons for that. And sometimes we have to deal with those reasons. Maybe we've given the enemy a place. Doesn't mean we don't have authority to deal with it, but he's got a reason to be there, and he's going to hang around until that reason is taken away. So sometimes when you're praying for people, and you get a revelation that maybe there's something that needs to be sorted out, because maybe there is a place there. Some of the things that we do, I've... I've had to deal with situations. I've seen people who have been spiritually demonized because of watching horror movies. I've had several people, even family members, who I've seen who have been overcome by spirits who have been associated with the horror that's in that movie. And it's the same with pornography. There's certain spirits that are associated with those sorts of things. It's the same with um, certain book literature. There's, there's literature that has, that has a demonic origin that we get involved in it and we start reading it. 
And as we read it and as we absorb it, we're actually aligning ourselves with that and we're embracing ourselves with that and there's a spirit that comes and attaches that self to us and we find that that can cause problems. I have had so many people that have, you know, you sort of walk through their journey and say, you know, we had, I had one person who was totally into Harry Potter to the point where she had her own wand. Like, literally, like, just obsessed. Um, and there's spirits associated with that kind of literature. And those spirits will, they don't care that you're, you're innocently enjoying this kind of stuff. They just go for it. And they'll bind you up, they'll get inside your head, and they'll choose to harass. And there's this harassment that goes on. Sometimes you've got to deal with it. I remember one family, their, their son would not be... Um, would not go to sleep at night until we dealt with karate. Because there's a spirit associated with the arts. And they, this guy with the black belt in karate and had all these things. I walk into his house, they brought me over one time to pray for their son, 18-month-old boy who just couldn't sleep. And they said, we, we're exasperated, we don't know what to do. I came to the house, the moment I walk in the foyer, I see all these pictures of, of him as in, in his karate gear. And I'm thinking, this. It's possible that there's a root in that, you know, because it's spiritual. Right? We don't often recognise these things. Things like yoga, horoscopes, and all those sorts of things, we engage with them innocently sometimes, and there's a root, the book, that gets caught up. And so we've got to learn that sometimes the enemy will just, he'll just look at us and go, no, not going and we've got to say, okay, well, Holy Spirit, can you show me if there's any reason for this thing to be here? And then we deal with that and say, Lord, I'm sorry for that I engaged in that. And I renounce that. And Jesus saying, now get. And usually he's gone. Yeah? Authority is a delegated power. Have you ever noticed that when a policeman steps out or a policewoman steps out into the traffic, puts their hand up, the car stops? That's not power. That's authority. They don't have, this person does not have the, the, the power to stop those vehicles. If the person behind the car didn't associate with that authority, they could easily just run them over. And criminals and bad people do that sort of thing. When we step into our place of authority, we have to know that it's an authority that is given to us from Jesus Christ Himself. So when we put up our hand, it's like a policeman stepping out in the middle of the road. And because of the authority that we have, we have the right to say no. Okay? Now I've had moments in my life, particularly with my kids, where I've seen something going wrong with my children. And whether it be movies or something other else, something that happened at school, or whatever it might be, when you recognise that something's up and you need to make a declaration in the spiritual realm. What, you, what we need to do in those moments is look at the situation, recognise that it's a battlefront and go to prayer. And just say no. We take authority over the spirits of affliction that are coming against our kids. And I've seen it on numerous occasions where I pray about a situation where one of my kids was in trouble Without even telling them that I was praying, find the spirit that's involved, and then within days it's dealt with, and that is no longer an issue. But don't, if you're a parent, don't think that you know, just because you're praying once, the enemy's not going to come back and do it all over again. You're going to try and try again. Our kids, they're in schools, they're in clubs, they're watching things that we don't know that they're watching, they're engaging in things we don't know that we're engaging. They're engaging in, and sometimes they get themselves caught up in things that can cause trouble. It's the same for us. But do we have authority to deal with it? Yes, we do. And I believe that we can do something about it. When the enemy comes, like for instance, you're in the middle of trying to get some sleep. Anyone have trouble sleeping? Anyone here have trouble sleeping? On this two or three? Alright. Sleep is sometimes one of those things that seems to evade us, yeah? 
Can I encourage you, um, if you have problems sleeping, um, find some time alone with God and just say, Lord, I want to find out if there's something going on in the spiritual realm, if there's harassment happening. And just be like that policeman. And just when you recognise what it is, say, no, I am going to sleep. I'm a child of the living God. I will not put up with this anymore. I submit my body, I submit my mind, I submit my spirit to the Holy Spirit and I will get rest. I am in the rest of God. Make a declaration of your life. And tell the devil he can't have you. He can't have your sleep. He can't rob you any longer. You know, one of the problems in the church oftentimes is that people rely too much on the pastor. Right? And oftentimes over the years I've had people, oh, Pastor Paul, you know, and sometimes that's what they do. They call me Pastor Paul. I prefer you didn't do that, by the way. I prefer you just call me Paul. Because I see myself as just an ordinary person like you. I've just perhaps had a little bit more training or experience than some of you. Right? Some of you have got a lot of experience in the Lord. My aim is to, as a leader of this church, as a pastor, is to engage in my role as to help and encourage and build you up. Your responsibility in your walk with the Lord is to get to know who you are, get to know the authority you have, and take authority in your own life for the things that are going on. Yeah? I often find when I'm driving along in the bus, I get a pain somewhere. I get a pain in my shoulder or whatever. It's not always a word of knowledge. It's not always my pain either. Sometimes it's just the enemy harassing me. And I've got to recognize that's not right. And I take authority over it. And I say, no, in Jesus' name go. Sometimes I've just got to pray simple prayers like, I take authority over all witchcraft that's coming against me right now. And I cut it off and I declare the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ over my body. I command all pain to leave. You know what? You can declare over your own body that the pain has to go. Now sometimes there's a physical reason why there's pain there. You might have to deal with that. With my ankle, I'm pretty sure from what the doctors have said that it's because I've got a I'm flat-footed, and when you're flat-footed and you don't have an arch, sometimes that causes a lot of pain. I have no doubt, though, that the enemy takes the full advantage of my flat-footedness and causes me much more pain than I should be tolerating. And so I'm torn sometimes between whether I just take authority over this thing or, or, or just go and get my body. <laughs> you know? And sometimes you've got to just do both. Sometimes you've got to take that Panadol and rebuke the devil at the same time. You know, there are times in our life where we've just, we, we rely on, on what the doctors have said and yet at the same time we've got to recognise that sometimes even they get it wrong. And it's not necessarily the truth. So where do we go from there? As the church, I believe, we recognise first of all that we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are crowned with glory. We are seated in the heavenly places. We have all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, as Jesus said. So we are in him, in that place of authority. And so we recognize stuff in our lives. And there's several places that we need to be able to do this. First of all, I believe we need to be able to do it in our own life first. We've got to be able to take authority over the devils in our own life. Right? Now, it's okay if you don't know what to do to reach out for help. That's what it's all about. You know, even Scripture, James says, you know, if you have a sickness or something like that, ask the elders of the church to come and anoint you with oil in the prayers of a righteous man, powerful and effective, and you'll be saved. Right? But I believe that as we mature in Christ, we want to get to the place where we actually have and know how to exercise authority over the devil in our own life. Then our family. Recognize the harassment that's on our kids, our parents, our brothers and sisters, our relatives, our finances. If you see her harassment going against your finances or against your workplace situation, how many people have not been able to get a job and it's like, and, and, and a breakthrough is needed. And you think, why is this not coming through? Where's the breakthrough coming from? 
The breakthrough might be when you get a revelation that you have authority to take a stand, mark a line in the sand and say, right, devil, you're not allowed to cross this. You're not allowed to touch one. You know, and I'm going to honour God with my body. I'm going to honour God with my finances. I'm going to honour God with my time. I'm going to honour God with my, my health. You know, and, and then we start doing things. You know, some people, of course, they've got physical issues because they don't look after their bodies. Sometimes we've got to ask the Lord for forgiveness for not looking after our bodies and then start doing it. Start eating right. Stop putting all that rubbish in all the time. That's causing us trouble. And so there's practical things we can do. But the authority comes when we have to deal with the devil. When you recognise the devil's at work. And let's face it, it can be ongoing issues. You go, ah, there's a pattern here. When you recognise a pattern, Recognize that there's probably a spirit involved. Deal with it. If you don't know how to deal with it, ask for help. But then don't harm it off. Ask for help. Once you get advice, then do it over yourself, over your circumstances, over your family, over your children, over your extended family. You've got a child or a, or a son or a daughter who's, or, or a relative who's not saved and not walking or walk away from the Lord. Get into a place of authority. And, and instead of asking God to fix them, you declare over them, you are coming home. Speak it out. Take a place. Imagine yourself sitting on the throne in Christ Jesus, making a declaration over the circumstances. You don't tell them to their face. You speak it into the spiritual realm. You say, devils, get your hand off this one. By the blood of Jesus, I'm calling this one home. And speak their name out. Now. They're coming home. They're saved. Do you know that before you were a Christian, you were already saved? You just didn't know it. And it hadn't been applied to your life. Because you were saved on the cross, on the, through the resurrection from the grave. That's where your salvation was bought. It wasn't bought the day you got saved. It was bought 2,000 years ago. It was a free gift which was given to you. You just never unpacked it. Right? True story, isn't it? It's a free gift. You didn't earn it. It wasn't like not yours until you finally... No, it was yours. It was always yours. It was yours from the moment it was wrapped up and packaged on the cross and through the death there and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you were saved. All of mankind was saved through the second Adam. However, it has to be appropriated to stop you from going to hell. You have to step into a place to actually receive it. You know, someone... A postman turned up at my house the other day with a package. Didn't leave it. Left a little note and said, There's a package. That's yours. You've got to come down to the post office and pick it up. Now, what happens if I don't go and pick it up? I don't get it, right? Was it mine? Yeah, it was mine. It was mine from the moment that the addresser put my name on it. It belonged to me. It was in transit, but it belonged to me. But it's not mine in my reality until I actually go and pick it up. It's the same with our authority. It's given to us, but unless we actually take hold of it and start to use it, it's, it's like not our actual reality. And so our actual reality might be that we're harassed and we're, we're like a downtrodden person who's under the influence of the enemy constantly who's harassing us and pulling us apart and and God is saying no that's not the way it ought to be because you are in Christ and we just got to get a revelation we can speak over our circumstances and so I want to encourage you to do that first of all at your personal level family level and then there's and, and I want to wrap up with this but I just feel to release this as well I think it's the next level and that is where we start to look at corporate authority the church, okay, because the Bible says when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I'm in the midst. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. There's power to bind. I believe it's, I think it's the word zuzia. There's authority to bind and to loose. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever's loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know that it starts on earth? It starts with us because we have dominion on the earth. 
So we do it, and then it's done in heaven. But it's not done in heaven until we do it on earth. But we've got to get a revelation of the fact that that's our responsibility. Amen? Alright, so, wherever two or three are gathered. I believe that's not just two or three individuals. See, we can have, see, the three of us, if we come into agreement on something that is Christ, we can have authority over it in, in our realm. But what about when we want to deal with the bigger spirit, territorial spirit, spirit right? that we need a greater level of authority to deal with? It doesn't mean we don't have authority, but we're still going to do it God's way. So, two or three churches get together. There's unity at a corporate level. And you deal with a regional territorial spirit. Do you know that there's a hierarchy in the spiritual realm? We talked about that last week. Yes, a little bit. There's a hierarchy in the spiritual realm. And so over regions, there's spirits. We know that from scripture, from Daniel. The prince of the power of the air in Persia. Prince of Persia came and stood against Gabriel and stopped him for ages, 21 days. Remember the fight? The spiritual fight that took place? And so we've got to get a revelation that there is this battle that goes on. Amen? And so as we get a revelation that... So let's say, for instance, this region had a particular problem, whether it be suicide, drug use, whatever it might be. We recognize it as a spiritual problem in this area. Then we recognize that there must be, because it's, because it's a regional problem, there must be a high-level spirit that has authority in that particular area. Yeah? Now there might be, just as in the physical, when we go, oh, you might have a pain in your neck, and it might be because you haven't forgiven somebody, right? What about if at the corporate regional level, we recognize there's a pain in the neck, but it's, it's actually a spirit that's operating in suicide in our schools, right? You go, well, what's... Then, first thing you've got to do is ask the Holy Spirit for revelation. What is its authority to be there? What, what place has this region given to that spirit to be there? And it might be blood that was shed 200 years ago. It might be Aboriginal blood. It might be abuse. It might be something else. It might be that... Somebody strung up a bunch of people on rope somewhere you know, 100 years ago and there's a spirit that's associated that that's come and bringing death to the region. We don't know. But all I'm saying is that when we recognise that there's spiritual authorities at work, we have an authority to do something. We've got to follow God's lead and Holy Spirit's lead and go after these things and deal with them. Amen? I don't know if that is beyond what you're ready to receive right now, but it's it's a truth that I'm aware of, and I'm going to give you one illustration. Some of you have heard this before as I wrap up. So I was ministering in a uh, place called uh, Samaboma in Zambia. It's a 23, 24-hour drive from Lusaka. I'd driven out there with a bunch of African guys. We went into this valley that had been in drought for three years. And... Uh, and all the pastors from the valley got together for this conference. There's about 60 pastors in this room, which was half the size of this one here. Dirt floors, no walls. At the end of seven days, the Holy Spirit really put it on to break the drought. Because there's a spirit involved in this drought. I got a revelation there's a spirit involved in the drought that was over this valley. And if we as a corporate gathering or pastors from the area, so it's a, a unified body, yeah, would pray and believe that we could break the drought. So I said to the guys and girls, we're going to pray and we're just going to pray. And so we went to prayer. And if you've been around Africans when they pray, my goodness me, they, it's just heart filled. They're in the dust, they're crying and pleading, you know, and it's noise. The whole place was filled with prayer. And about half an hour into this, the Holy Spirit came on me. Like the spirit of prophecy came on me. And I stood up and I said, come, let's stand up. Let's go outside. We stood outside. We got in a circle, faced outward. And I was in the middle of the circle. And I said, we're just going to release over the land the rains to come. And I just took authority over the spirit of the air. And the reason I could do that was because of the corporate authority that was at work. I knew 
It's like the Holy Spirit just said, you have authority over this spirit in this place right now because of what just took place. If it was just me on my own, I probably wouldn't have had the, the place of authority to stand against it because the churches are probably in disunity and, and all sorts of things. But when the church comes together in unity and declares... So what happened was... Um, we finished that meeting, it was the last day, the next day we were going to drive out in the valley. And we went to bed that night, got up in the morning, hopped in the cars, and before we even got up, we went to drive up through the valley, before we even drove, got up out of the valley, the rains came. And it rained then for the next 24 hours while we were driving home. The guys in the car, my goodness me, they were singing. Oh, they were so excited and they got it come through the breakthrough had taken place. And I heard 12 months later, and I'm sorry if you've heard this story before, but it's just, it, it's relevant. 12 months later, the hosting pastors, whose bar was completely empty, that when we were there and the ground was dry, he said, I've had to hire a second bar because my bar is full. It is so full right now that I can't contain all the crops that have come out of the ground since the rains have come back. And I can tell you now that there are circumstances in your life and in our families and in our region that can be dealt with because of where we're seated in Christ. What we need is just to follow the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So when we get a revelation that there's a spirit involved, if it's at an individual level, we have authority. Personally, we have authority over our own body. Don't ever think that you don't have authority to deal with whatever's happening to you. You do. If there's a root and the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, then deal with it quickly and tell that thing to get. If it's in your family and you're a parent, you have authority over your family, you have your authority over your kids because that is your delegated place. Amen? And you can deal with it. If it's corporate authority, I have authority. Check and I have authority in this church. Right? Not because of what you've given us, but because God has given us that authority. But you give it to us by being in unity. So you can take it away, it's as simple as that, by being in disunity with us. So if there's disunity in the church, we can't deal with what's going on in the spiritual realm. And we're going to be harassed as a church. Right? But when we come in together in unity, we go, yes, let's do this together. Let's deal with that sucker. Right? Collectively, we say, yes. And it's done. Right? We have authority in this region if we come together in unity with other churches. But if we're not in unity with other churches, we can't deal with those territorial spirits. And they're going to keep harassing our communities until we do that. That's why I believe we've got to stop talking against other churches and show love and just... You know, just love. Just love. It's out of that love that it all comes. Amen? Alright. Um, I think that's all I need to say today. So I'm going to pray and just wrap that up. And uh, yeah, whatever the Lord does with this message um, in you, I just pray that He, you know, and, and I'll pray this to myself, that I learn, that we learn together who we are, what place of authority we have. And we don't put up with all the stuff we've been putting up. We start to deal with it. And we come out and talk. I believe revival will take place not because we've just sung a bunch of fancy songs that talk about revival and we've asked him to come. But we've actually waited on him and actually stepped into our place of authority and start exercising what he's given us to exercise. We start to do that and it's like, I believe it will be like those images that you you two had where pieces of the puzzle start to come into place. The ground comes together and suddenly there's a, a platform that is created for the church to, to stand. Amen? Alright, let's pray. Father God, uh, I thank you for your word which is alive and true and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Able to divide between spirit and soul. And Father, we ask right now that you would, by your word, release in us, grant us, as the Apostle Paul prayed, wisdom and understanding to know who we are in Christ. Know that we are seated in Christ, far above the rule and authority. 
and that we can overcome the power and the works of the enemy. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll teach us and show us and groom us to a place where we can together deal with the bigger picture uh, that you've called us to do. I pray that this revelation lands in the right places. Anything that's not of you, Lord, may fall to the ground. Bless your people, Lord, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au. God bless.